Welcome to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. He led them to a, a widow's, not a widow's, a divorced woman, single mom, couple kids, home. They went in, they started talking, and they said, we are Arabs that love the Jewish Messiah, and we've given our lives, and we want to bless you, and here's a check for you during this hard time for you and your family. And she said, wait a second, we're in a war with you. We're fighting each other, and you're giving me a check? That love overwhelmed her. Today we're talking about Advent love, and my guest, I'm very excited. Just a quick backstory. I knew when I talked about Advent love, I really felt like the Lord was nudging me to have a man as my guest to talk about Advent love. Was, wasn't sure where I was supposed to go with that, was talking to my coworker, Rosie, who you've heard on the podcast before, uh, and, and she said, I know, I know who you should talk to. You should talk to Tom Berkowitz. And I asked, and he said yes. And so I'm so excited. Tom is a Messianic Jew. He's been walking with Jesus for 43 years. He was involved in um, Bible study teaching for 25 years, leading for 23 years. And the Lord has been impressing on him this message of what it means to love like Jesus. And I'm so, so grateful to welcome him. Welcome, Tom. Well, thank you for having me, Angela. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Our conversation is might be a little bit out of the box for Advent, but I think it's a really good word for the church right now. Um, so why don't we just dive right in? You know what? You know, talk a little bit about the backstory of this idea of love that has been stirring in you. Well, the backstory is from the Sermon on the Mount, and when Yeshua Jesus was teaching, he said, "You are the salt of the earth." And that's in Matthew 5, 13. And then he goes down and he says, let your light shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and give glory to God. Now, what does that mean? Coming from a Jewish background, Israel was called to be a holy nation. And that means set apart. Kadosh means set apart. In its basic meaning, it means other than. Other than what? everything else. Mm -hmm. So God has called us to be a holy nation, and he takes that calling very seriously. In Ezekiel 22, 26, he said, he's speaking through Ezekiel, her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They made no distinction between the holy and the common. In Hebrew, the opposite of holy is not profane. The opposite of holy is to make common, Mm -hmm. to make it like everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's no big deal. So we got to think about that uh, as we talk about it. They have made no difference between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths. So So I am profaned among them. Think about that. We're called to be the light of the living God. He has called us to love. And if we're not doing that, we're doing violence to his word. Mm. It's huge. That and is. Especially during this time. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's one of those things that kind of go, <laughs> it makes everything kind of stop. And, and to pay attention to that. You know, my mind is a little blown because it's, I think sometimes it's hard to grasp the holiness of God because he is so other. 
So our words fail us in describing him. Our finite minds have trouble coming to terms with his infantness that in his you know that he's mysterious there's a lot that he reveals about himself which i think is what you're talking about here the you know that he's holy not common to keep those things separate and would you talk a little bit more about what separated israel from the nations okay there was three distinctives that the people of israel did during that time and they did this and they practiced this up until the time of Jesus. And actually, those who don't believe in Jesus are still practicing it. But the three things that separated Israel from the rest of the world was circumcision, kashrut, which means keeping kosher. They didn't eat all the foods that the Gentiles or the nations did, and Sabbath observance. No one else did that. So that separated them. So the, the world could look in and say they're separate. Mm-hmm. When Jesus came... He changed it, and he changed it to this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So he reduced it. He turned it into love, and he made it so much harder to do. We can't do it without him. Here's where the first reading comes from, Matthew 22:34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducee, they gathered together. Here's the setting. This is the 10th of Nisan, or the 11th of Nisan. It's a Hebrew month, March, April. And how do we know that? Because Jesus just made his entry for the final time into Jerusalem, going into Passover. During the 10th and the 14th, they would examine Jewish homes would examine the lamb to make sure there was no blemish. So spiritually, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, and the crowds of people were examining Jesus to see if he had a flaw. Mm, mm. And that's why it starts off. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question. Teacher, Which is the greatest commandment in the law? That question was this. Sum up all the Hebrew scriptures in 30 seconds or less. And here's what Jesus said. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he's saying all the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, are reduced down to these two. He made it hard. And what he did is a rabbinic teaching method of putting two truths together and making a greater one. Now you got trouble. Mm-hmm. Because... If you say you love God and you don't love your neighbor, then the truth is not in you. You don't love God. In fact, John says it this way. If anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. 
and cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this, this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That is no easy thing. And what's really good about this is he repeats this again in Mark. So now we got two witnesses, the witness of Mark and the witness of Matthew. And both of them are from the 10th of Nisan to the 14th. 14th at sundown is Passover. And we know that Jesus was crucified and taken down before the 14th of Nisan. They examined him, and what did they say? We found no fault in him. Mm-hmm. So we know this teaching is correct. There was no fault. He was a great teacher. In fact, what I really like in the Mark, and I'll skip to the end, when Jesus heard, saw that the scribe answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. He silenced it. The matter is closed. Mm-hmm. So what's the question? Who is my neighbor? And if you run over to uh, Luke 10, a young lawyer asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is. And when uh, Jesus answered him, he said, then who is my neighbor? From Jewish thought, my neighbor is any Jewish person. Interesting. It, it's Only not a, the Gentiles. Interesting. Interesting. I, had, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what they were taught. That's what the rabbis taught. So when it says love your neighbor, that's my Jewish People, Mm -hmm. it's not the Gentiles. I'm not called to love the heathens. I'm not called to love them like I am called to love my own people. The truth of the matter is they couldn't even keep with their relatives and their their people. Yeah, so then that's really interesting because then when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, it would make sense then that the rabbi would keep moving because the person wasn't Jewish, so they're not—they wouldn't have been his neighbor— and even turn it even more on his head that that it's the Samaritan that helps the person an unclean and you know and someone who is not in someone who's not clean is the person who's considered who is the like the star of of the story. Absolutely, Angela. Abs- absolutely, and it even goes deeper because he really hit the priest and the Levite because part of this story is first the. The priest went down, saw the man beaten on the side, and walked on the other side of the road. Mm-hmm. Then came the Levite. Now, they could say, if we went over and we touched him, we would be ceremonially unclean, and we couldn't perform our duties to God, the sacrificial duties. Mm-hmm. So they played the religious card. And what Jesus is saying, you can't play, play the religious card because life trumps everything. And you have this Samaritan who just goes beyond the pale. Well, that's really a big thing. So what does that mean for us today? That's a great question. That is a great question. Who is and our I, neighbor today? And I think that's a question that that we might ask in theory, you know, who is my neighbor? But to really, and sometimes I think we can answer the question and say everybody's my neighbor because we, they are. And then we go home and we go into our home, whether it's an apartment or a house or where our town home, wherever we live. And then we have actual physical neighbors and we don't even know their name. And those are the people that are in our sphere of influence. 
And so I, those, so yes, I think it's even those people who are on the other side of the walls, other side of the fence from you, those are your neighbors. Yeah, I think it's a big, it's a, it's a big question. You know, Angela, my wife, Marsha, and I have done a lot of work in Israel where we were um, teaching leaders at community Bible study in Edina, and we started community Bible study in Israel. And the, we started it on the Arab side first. So here's what we've learned as far as dealing with, with the Arab-Jewish um, conflict over a disagreement over there. Mm-hmm. If you look at this from a political point of view, you'll walk away hating the Jews, loving the Palestinians, or loving the Jews and hating the Palestinians. You can't look at things through a political eye. This is a word for the church, too. But if you look at it through a biblical eye, you'll walk away loving both the Jews and the Palestinians, the Arabs. Because that's what we're called to do is look at things through the biblical eyes. And that's hard to do because you're asking people to put down politics, which is kind of like a God. The person we work with in Israel is a pastor. He and his father pastor the largest evangelical church in um, Israel Mm -hmm. and fastest growing. During the 2016 war with Hamas and as the bombs were flying back and forth, he in a God spoke to them in a prayer meeting, and they took some took up a collection. They're not a wealthy church; they're always looking for money to keep going, and they went to Ashdod, which is right on the border with uh, uh, Gaza. Mm-hmm. He talked to a Jewish friend there, and he said, "Let me know of a Jewish person." We want to bless them. So he led them to a, a widow's, not a widow's, a divorced woman, single mom, couple kids, home. They went in, they started talking, and they said, we are Arabs that love the Jewish Messiah, and we've given our lives, and we want to bless you, and here's a check for you during this hard time for you and your family. And she said, wait a second. We're in a war with you. We're fighting each other, and you're giving me a check? That love overwhelmed her. The next week, she showed up at the Messianic congregation. Mm-hmm. She wanted to know more about this Jesus. That's what we're called to do. Yeah. We had a guest on uh, Susie Larson Live not too long ago, uh, James Merritt, and he asked that question, is the Jesus you follow worth following? And I think what that woman saw in that interaction with the people from that church was that the Jesus they were following was worth following. Right. And she wanted to find out more about him. And the light that was on those Arabs glorified their father in heaven. Right. That's mm-hmm. where we started off. And we live in a church today. There is more division in this country. I've seen family split over whether to wear a mask or not, mm-hmm. whether to get vaccinated or not. Churches are splitting over the same thing. Can you imagine what our, our descendants are going to look as they come back? You mean you divided your church over whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or whether you wear a mask or not? We are called 
to love our Lord our God with our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourselves, and we can't even love the people of the household of God. Why would anybody want to come here? It was 1972. I was at Augsburg College. I had just graduating, and for the first time in my four-year career at Augsburg, I ended up in this chapel mm-hmm. with my soon-to-be wife. And they sang a song, and we'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And I remember thinking, what a crock. Are you kidding me? I don't see any love amongst these people, and they certainly don't like the Jews. There is nothing that would draw me to that. But thank God that I married into a family where there was true love. And they loved me with all my problems, with all my rejection of God. They actually loved me into the kingdom. And my college roommate who became a born-again Christian, when he shared his faith with me, I wanted to punch him. But you know something? I could see the love on him. Love conquers all. It does conquer all. And his light was shining. My mother-in-law and father-in-law, I thought they came from another planet. I've never seen such love from anyone. Because they were so different. Because they were so other. They were so set apart. You got it. Mm -hmm. So I, I really went after them. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking about during this time. To... I, I was with some friends, and the person said, I will never forgive my brother. And I'm thinking, and they're Christians. I'm thinking, that can't be. Then you don't love God. Well, who am I to judge? I didn't judge. John, one of the apostles, wrote that because he sat and listened to Jesus teach us. And Jesus saved that teaching to the very end when they're examining him. So within two or three days of him, that teaching, he died. A few days later, he resurrected. And that's what we have. We were called to love, and it's hard, especially during this season. For my 43 years walking with the Lord, I've heard every Christmas, this is a hard time of year, everybody's down, and I'm thinking, really? We're, we're part of, of the family of the living God. We're called to love. Now, trust me, it took me a lot of years, and it's still a work in progress to learn how to do that. But it changes things. Tom is about to tell a story that has some very gruesome parts to it. I've chosen to leave it in because I think it lends more power to the story, to, the, to what ended up happening. But It is gruesome, so I wanted to give you some forewarning that listener discretion is advised in this next part of the podcast. One of my heroes, this is from a book, and the name of of the book is Killing Christians, Living the Faith Where It's Not Safe to Believe, and it's written by Tom Doyle. And in there, if God would bless me, I'd love to meet this man sometime. His name is Azam Aziz Mubarak. He's a Somali pirate. Mm. And he saw visions of Jesus. And he's a Muslim. And he, he used to kill Christians for sport, well, along with all the other things pirates do. But he saw three visions of Jesus. 
Then he found a cross on his bed, and he talked to his mother about it. She told him it was real and said, you got to run because your father will kill you. So he ran to another village. Three weeks later, he gets a package at the door. He looked at it. He shook it. He didn't. It was from his father. He opened it up. It was his mother Hmm. cut apart Mm -hmm. so that she could fit in a box. And there is also a picture of the guys his father ordered to do it. It was also their name. So he knew who did it. Now, he's growing in the Lord, and it's hard, but he gave his life to God. He paid a huge price. His mother paid a huge price for him to have the gospel. He saw the two men one night at midnight walking down the street. They stopped dead in their track. They weren't happy to see Azam. They said, we didn't want to do this, but your father made us do it. If we wouldn't have done it to your mother, he would have done it to them. And he said, I know all about my father. As he stared at the two murderers, he said, I haven't come to harm you. I have come to forgive you. Mm. He said, now I love you. And they were shocked. They have never seen like that. He prayed for both of them before he saw, uh, even saw them, that he would meet them. He did. Jesus filled his heart with compassion for him. And his love is greater than anything that you have done, he told those two pirates. Those two guys came to the Lord because the bright lights of that love pierced their hearts. And when he brought them to the rest of the people that were believers, secret believers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they were being killed one off after another, they spoke these words. When Azam spoke, his words paralyzed both of us. We could not believe what we were hearing. His words of forgiveness, I have never heard anything like that before. Then the other one spoke, I have longed for words like this often during my life, for Azam to forgive murderers like us and to tell us that he loves us is unbelievable. For the last week, all three of us have been meeting at night. Azam has shown us that Jesus can forgive the worst of sinners Moses killed a man, and Paul ordered people to their deaths, but they, too, were forgiven and redirected. This is still hard for us to believe, yet we know it is true. They saw love, true love. Now, if Azam, Aziz Mubarak, can love the two guys that brutally cut up his mother, is it hard for us to love our neighbor? Is it hard for us to love one another? Or even if it is hard, is it worth pushing through what's difficult and doing what God, being obedient to what God has called us to? Right. Yeah. Right. To shine to shine our light like that. Tom, thank you so much. Thank you for coming and talking about the love of God, the inspiring us to to let our light shine and and to do the hard work that we need to do and in following in obedience to let our light shine to love our neighbor, to love those around us. Yes. If we can all do that this holiday season, we could revolutionize our whole society. As we close this conversation on love, I want to go back to what Tom referred to first from Matthew 22, 34 to 40. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. 
Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. I'm so grateful that you decided to join us for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time when we talk about Advent Joy. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. Music